Today, Richard Long is with us, so I'd like to give you a little introduction of my friend Richard. He is one of the founding elders of the Vineyard Ottawa Church. He is a team leader of Love Ottawa, <clears throat> excuse me, a part of One Way Ministries here in Ottawa. Pastor Linda and I are on the Prayer Summit team. So the Prayer Summit meets every November, and they're ministry leaders across Ottawa who get together to pray. So I'd say that's when I got to know Richard the best was this past fall. So I really appreciated him and his heart for prayer. Just before he comes up, I did think of Richard this week, though, listening to a podcast about Philippians. Knowing the passage he was going to read in, I heard this story, and it made total sense. There was a man who became a monk, and the place where he was going to be in a monastery, for three years he had to have total silence. He was allowed two words a year. So his first year there, he went up and was allowed his two words, and he looked very carefully and said, cold food. And then the second year went up and tried to get hit across with two words, bed, hard. And the very third year, he said, I quit. And the guy looked at him and said, good, because you haven't stopped complaining since the moment you got here. So, Richard, would you come speak to us about not complaining and shining like stars? Thank you. Would you welcome Richard Long? Wow, what a great introduction. Uh, so exciting to be back here. I loved getting to know Carlene as well and Linda Sinclair, who we've known for many years. And it is a joy to welcome... Uh, to say um, hello from uh, Vineyard, Ottawa, just down the street. Uh, we've been there seven years, and um, it's been great to work together on things like the City on Our Knees prayer, which we just had a couple weeks ago. And thank you from One Way Ministries uh, for your support over many years that keeps us going, and we kind of consider you one of the, the backbone churches in our city that believes in unity and working together. And so um, we're very grateful for that. I should say congratulations to Grant and Mary Elsie Wolf. I uh, launched your church publicly for the first time. I know we've been praying about this, walking together. So it's very exciting. I'm very excited for you guys in the East End, which is where I live. So desperately need churches in all those new suburbs in Orleans, don't we? And I love being a part of a church that, that believes in prayer. It was great to pray together this morning. As you were um, praying for kids, just something you may not know of. This is just a quick um, advertisement. Um, we have many different teams, collaborative interdenominational teams out of Love Ottawa and One Way Ministries. And our, one of our more, most recent is called Ocean. I don't know if anybody has heard of that. It, I don't know if I get the whole acronym right, but it's Ottawa Christian Educators and something. Um, maybe it's network. Um, but anyways, they've um, been bringing together Christian teachers and people working in the school systems uh, to pray together, to strategize together about shining as stars, as teachers in our city. And so they're, they've had a couple of meetings already since uh, early September, and the next one's uh, next week again. Uh, so if you're a teacher or you're involved in the school system, and you don't know anything more about it, talk to me afterwards. I'd be very glad to tell you more. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the passage we're looking at. Uh, I love the fact that you're preaching 
in teaching through a book of the Bible. We do that down the street at Vineyard, Ottawa as well. And uh, in fact, we're in the book of James right now. Uh, but uh, So I was assigned this passage, but I love this passage from Philippians chapter 2. Um, not sure if you'll have it on the screen or not, but I'm going to read to you from the New International Version, Philippians chapter 2. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about humility. I'm glad he talked about that one. He embodies it much better than I do. Um, but starting at verse 12, Therefore, based on humility and on Jesus' example, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. <clears throat> so, um, this week uh, was Monday, earlier this week, uh, we all learned the very Canadian story. I'm sorry if there are some Americans or other people from other parts of the world listening in right now. Um, but a very Canadian story. Um, apparently, um, big news for Canada. In Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, somebody found, a, a, I guess, 16 unopened boxes of hockey cards from 1979 to 1980. Anybody hear this story already? You're Canadians. All right. And um, that's a total of 7,680 7, cards. And the reason that's important is the odds being that there are probably 20 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards in that number. Um, and um, in 2021, uh, a pristine copy of a Wayne Gretzky rookie card went for at auction for $3.75 million. You got one? Uh, it's gone up, yeah. Um, so, uh, so those of you who are interested, I actually, um, I collected hockey cards as a, as a kid. We're talking over 50 years ago, 55 years ago. I brought some of my old cards in case anybody wants to talk. I talked to Stefan earlier this morning about hockey. You know, like an all-star card by Pierre Pilat. You can tell how old I am. Anybody remember Pierre Pilat? Yeah, a few of you do. Um, Phil Esposito, Henri Richard, Borea Salming. I'll, I'll show you these cards afterwards. Um, but the fact is that um, people collect cards, and the, the most uh, collectible ones are usually the all-star cards. And, um, you know, all-stars, I thought about how do we get that name. I think it goes way back to the ancients. We talk about stars because they are the ones who shine the brightest. And in hockey or basketball or many other things when we talk about stars. And so today, I want to talk about how we're meant to be all stars in the kingdom of God. Is that okay? That's a bit of a transition there. Um, and, 
And part of what we see in this passage, actually, are three examples. I didn't read the whole passage yet. Three examples, or I would say the three stars of this chapter. Um, like there's three stars at the end of every hockey game, including yesterday's all-star game, um, which we won't get into because of the team that won. Um, but uh, sorry for those of you who are online who are not Canadians. I know this doesn't make any sense yet. Uh, but, you know, just like when I was a kid, Bobby Orr was, was a brand-new player, rookie, uh, I do have his rookie card, by the way, but it's not in pristine condition. Um, but, uh, you know, he would do these spinorama moves, and every kid play, playing hockey at the time would try to emulate him and be, be like this hockey star. We have in the scriptures here today um, some, some examples of, of what it means to be a person who doesn't complain um, or a person who, um, who shines forth the light of God and holds forth the word of life. I'm not going to get into that in great detail, um, but just to say that we're meant to do both. People should be able to see our lives and see a reflection of the glory of the Father, and, um, but they also should want to know more. Peter says, be ready um, always to give an answer to those who ask the reason for the hope that's in you. If people aren't asking, it's probably because we're not shining. So we need to both shine, people need to see, they also need to hear what we have to offer. Um, there, this is an interesting passage um, as it begins about how we need to work out our salvation with um, fear and trembling. And then it's this kind of puzzling statement in verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I just feel like uh, we, we need to stop there as we, before we go on and say that this is, this is all about God's purposes. We're not to shine like stars so everybody looks at us and says, what a wonderful human being we are, um, because it's all about his purposes. I love that last two songs we sang that kind of were songs of surrender. We often teach children, quite rightly, uh, that they need to invite Jesus into their heart. That's an easy way to explain that God is God, the God of the universe. If we invite him, if we put our faith in him, that he's died for us on the cross, that he wants to come and live inside of us by his Holy Spirit. That's an amazing, totally wonderful thing to invite children or young people or even adults to do. But I, I want to submit to you that it's actually the opposite to what the scripture says. Scripture says that when we um, put our faith in Christ and we submit to him, we say it's all about you, Jesus, that what we're actually being invited into is his heart, his purposes. We no longer live for our hearts and our purposes, but we've entered into his heart. And that's an adventure of a lifetime to understand what it is to, to be part of his good purposes in the earth. I want to talk about submitting and obeying. That's really the, the big quality we're going to see in these all-stars today. Um, and I actually was given this whole passage, so the rest of, of chapter 2 of Philippians as well. So often when you, when you go to a hockey game and they bring out the three stars at the end, they start not with star number one, they start with the third star, usually the goalie 
right? Um, if you've ever been to a hockey game. So the goalie in this case is found in verse 25. Let me read it to you. Here's the third star of the passage. Um, Paul writes, I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, third star, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for all the help you could not give me. So Epaphroditus, we're just going to talk about him for a moment. So many superlatives about him in this passage. And it's probable that Epaphroditus was actually the one carrying this letter to the people in Philippi on, from Paul's prison in Rome. And so um, this is a recommendation to him. And, uh, you know, just an amazing recommendation. It seems like Epaphroditus um, was a personal emissary sent to be probably a personal assistant to Paul in prison from the, the believers in Philippi. They loved Paul that much. They sent someone to serve him. And that, but unfortunately, he got very sick. And that, that was, made Paul even probably feeling worse about the whole situation. So um, he commends him as someone who is willing to lay down his life and that really is what we're all called to do. With the kind of love we're called to live in this lifetime with, with Jesus in our hearts and our hearts in him is a laying down kind of love. No, man, no one is greater than this than he, that he laid down his life for his friends, Jesus said. And Epaphroditus was that kind of person. He was also obviously somebody that uh, fought spiritual warfare, but also was willing to be a, a fellow worker with Paul. You could think and meditate much more about his life, but it does, does remind me of um, that statement I think many of you have probably heard over the years uh, about um, Jim Elliott, who wrote this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That was Epaphroditus. Second star, we're going to go back to the passage just above the one I just read. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So, so this was a plan, but it's in the Lord. He knows, Paul knows he needs to submit to whatever the Lord is going to accomplish, but he, Timothy's coming next. He's not being sent right now. He's about to come to them. He says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So, Timothy's our second star. And Timothy's a key figure throughout the New Testament. 
There's two letters written to him. He was the bishop of the church in Ephesus. Uh, later on, he, he, um, it's said that he actually was the one who looked after uh, Jesus' mother Mary in the last years of her life, um, according to tradition. So he's an all-star. And there's much you could meditate on about Timothy's life. But just here, um, the thing to emphasize is what Paul says to him. I, I'm going to emphasize just one of the major, many qualities here. But Timothy lives for others. I know this book of Philippians is all about joy. And I learned as a, a kid that joy is spelled J-O-Y, Jesus, others, than you. And Timothy was someone who lived for Jesus. Paul says that. No one else like him. And lived for others. But he also is described here in a very special way by Paul as like a son who served, and actually the Greek word there is slaved. They considered themselves slaves, father and son slaves for the gospel, because they understood that they were not their own. They were there to live for Christ. And so just really, it's interesting. This is, a, this is something that Paul picks up from chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. I don't know if you remember this from when you first started this book, but the, the beginning goes like this. Paul and Timothy, slaves, actually. It's the word servants in, our, in this translation, but it's the word slaves. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. That was an identity they were very proud to own. They start off with that. And Paul comes back to that and says, to be uh, one who follows Jesus means to be a slave. Third star. Well, um, it's kind of hidden, but in between the lines. The obvious, actually the first star, yeah, the third star was Epaphroditus, second star was Timothy. First star in this passage is a guy named Paul the Apostle. See him in the passage? He's, um, he talks about, if you go back before Timothy, he talks about that he hopes... Um, he, he's so proud of the people in Philippi because uh, he wants to be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm being, here's the thing, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Why is he emphasizing this? Well, because... His execution is looming. There's some thought about whether Paul ever gets out of this prison. Some, some scholars think he may have got out and then got rearrested and then executed by Nero, the emperor at the time. But he's, he's been living in a prison since he got to Rome. And it's not a nice place. It's not like our prisons. And, um, and everybody around him, think about these people in Philippi who love him, who even sent somebody as a personal assistant. They're all quite concerned that they're never going to see Paul ever again, that he is about to die in Rome at the hands of an executioner. So he's trying to encourage them. He's saying, you know, whether, says in chapter 1, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He's trying to give them a different perspective on life, and on being willing to die for Christ. Now, I'm bringing this subject up because I think that makes Paul an all-star, but also I think 
that, um, as was said yesterday, I was at the conference at the Met, the Freedom Summit, and one of the speakers is a Dr. Ewan Gallagher from Toronto. He's a neonatal specialist, solid Christian. And um, the whole topic of the conference was made, the medical assistance in dying legislation, um, and, and how to respond to that. Um, nobody, no Christian should use the word made because it's, it's a euphemism for medical killing. That's what it is, it's killing. Um, so, um, assisted suicide, those are more accurate words. But this doctor said, you know, in the church, we never talk about death and dying, so we're afraid of the topic. So, when was the last time you heard a sermon on how to die well? And he actually said, how then should we then die? Take off on Francis Schaeffer's book, How Then Should We Live? Um, how then should we die as Christians? Christians through the centuries believed in learning to die well, to be prepared to die. And so Christians through the centuries who've been martyred, they look to Paul, they look to this, this all-star and his attitudes toward death. And uh, it would take, give them much comfort. They needed that. They needed a perspective on what is life all about and what is dying all about. It was suggested yesterday by people who provide palliative care that uh, the, the last stages of our life before we move on to be with the Lord are the, sometimes the greatest adventure for us and our families. And we need to do more thinking about that. Paul did a lot of thinking about it, but he needed to because he needed to prepare his friends for the fact he was not always going to be around. And they were full of sorrow about that. But there's actually one more star in the passage. Did you know that? Because all of these are reflective stars. They're, they're able to be stars for God because, like Paul, they're trying to imitate the superstar, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to sing the song for you. Um, but um, really, the superstar that nobody's ever going to be like, uh, who was perfect, is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everything we've read is based on what you read last week in, when Pastor Mike talked about Jesus being the one who was willing to be obedient. And the word slave is used there as well, that he was willing to take the very nature of a slave, to, to become a human, to die a criminal's death on the cross. He is the superstar. Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus were living their lives the way they did because they were trying to be like Jesus who gave his life for them and for us. What is, what is the attitude that we're looking at? I know you're looking at different attitudes as we work through this passage. The attitude is submission that we're trying to emulate here. You could say, well, it's about obedience, because Paul starts in verse 12 saying, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, so... And he's, why is it therefore, therefore? That's always what you have to ask when you see it in the scripture. It's therefore because of all what, that went ahead of that. Because Jesus was obedient. But I want to suggest to you, obedience starts with submission. At some point we have to come to terms with my life is not my own. And if you're somebody here that's already considers yourself a follower of Christ, I'm only reminding you, 
of our basic attitude in life, that we're here to serve God, we're here to serve alongside others in Jesus' work. And so we have to, first of all, submit to him. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. I invite the worship team to come, come back up because I love the song that um, they've chosen again to end. Um, but I, I would love to pray for you and for myself that as we think about the challenge of submitting every moment, every day, because obedience is not the, always in the big things. Just like Back to my hockey analogy, when I was a kid playing novice hockey, we went through drills. We learned how to pass, how to receive a pass, how to skate, little things. The little things added up to becoming better players. And I would suggest to you that, that most of the time it's in the little things we need to check, are we still submitted in our thought life, in our eyes, in our actions, in our words? That's where we show whether we've been doing our drills, whether we're really on the team and we're really following the one who's coaching us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, I, I pray if there's someone here that's never submitted their life to you, doesn't know the joy of uh, living the adventure of the real purpose in life, to serve you and your purposes which are always good and always loving, I pray that you draw them to yourself today. They'd, they'd love to be follower of Jesus like the rest of us. But Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. None of this is possible without the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, empowering us, giving us a desire to will and to work your good pleasure in our lives. And so we just, again, today, I'm just going to invite you, if you need to do this, to submit again, to say, Jesus, I look back on this week or the last month or two of my life, I recognize there are moments where I was not submitted to you. I did my own thing. Please forgive me. Help me, I pray, to to live for you every moment of every day. And I ask, Holy Spirit, you'd come and fill us and empower us again to be those who can shine like stars and hold forth the word of life. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.